Welcome to the quarterly investor call for Night Food Incorporated, ticker symbol NGTF. Night Food CEO Sean Folkson will answer submitted shareholder questions after giving his opening statements. But first, let's start with the forward-looking statements. These forward-looking statements can be found in their entirety at the bottom of all Night Food Incorporated press releases using that ticker symbol NGTF. You can find that. So, this call contains forward-looking statements, as that term is defined in Section 27A of the United States Securities Act of 1933 and Section 21E of the Securities Exchange Act of 1934. Statements in this call, which are not purely historical, are forward-looking statements and include any statements regarding beliefs, plans, expectations, or intentions regarding the future, including but not limited to any products sold or cash flows from operations. Actual results could differ from those projected in any forward-looking statements due to numerous factors. Such factors include, among others, the inherent uncertainties associated with the distribution and difficulties associated with obtaining financings, on acceptable terms. These forward-looking statements are made as of the date of this call, and Night Food assumes no obligation to update the forward-looking statements or to update the reasons why the actual results could differ from those projected in the forward-looking statements. With that, the call is yours, Sean. Well, thanks, Stuart. I'm really excited about where we're at, uh, the incredible developments of the last few months. Uh, we're adding hundreds of supermarket locations in the next couple of weeks. Uh, velocities at existing accounts are strong and growing. We're on solid ground, and our first-ever in-store promotions are starting uh, later this month. And we've got uh, some more big announcements, uh, announcements big and small, coming up uh, on the heels of the announcement last week that we're rolling into Jewel Osco, which is our first Albertsons division. Uh, and we still have more supermarket chains uh, to announce once we have those approvals. So. I know we have a lot of interested and enthusiastic investors on the call, so let's uh, let's get right to it. Okay, Sean. Well, the first question comes in from Jennifer, who asks, I'm really excited about the pregnancy niche. I wish Night Food was there for me four years ago when I was pregnant. What are you doing to get the word out amongst pregnant women so that they know about Night Food? Well, thanks, Stuart. So uh, we know this question was asked before today's big announcement. Uh, about the conference that we're exhibiting at. And so, you know, for anybody that doesn't know, we're going to be exhibiting at the uh, annual conference of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists next month. Uh, we're going to be introducing night food to thousands of obstetricians, which are, you know, those are the doctors that take care of pregnant women. And uh, our goal there is to be providing them the information, the materials, and some understanding and some enthusiasm so that they can inform their patients that if they're going to eat ice cream, uh, night food is the best and healthiest choice. You know, I've spoken to a handful of OBGYNs in the past few weeks about whether or not this kind of thing actually comes up in practice, and it does, and, and whether they'd be comfortable recommending night food, and the response has been overwhelmingly positive. And I think in a laboratory environment, the doctors might prefer that their pregnant patients eat no ice cream, but that's totally unrealistic, and, and the patients know it and the doctors know it. And, and our investors know it, and, and you and I know it. So, you know, the next best thing is to help their patients know about what is the best ice cream option for when they do eat ice cream. So, you know, it's one thing to be named 
the official ice cream of the American Pregnancy Association, and that gives us tremendous strength, stability, and credibility as we work towards actually becoming the official ice cream of pregnant women everywhere, which is a very different thing, uh, you know, the de facto ice cream that pregnant women turn to, you know, in large numbers. But uh, it's a goal that is, I think, realistic, and it is our primary goal for this year. And this conference that we're going to be exhibiting at is a huge uh, step towards that goal because establishing the position in the market of being the official ice cream of pregnancy is going to bring tremendous value to all of the shareholders. And what I think it would mean for us here in 2020 is stronger velocities, more points of distribution, and an even stronger uh, and actually an unassailable position in the marketplace. And all of those things obviously make for a much more valuable company. And, you know, when you think of the value of being the official ice cream of pregnancy, I view that as a game changer. I mean, how, you know, how could that fail? How can that not get into every supermarket? How can, how can pregnant women choose to buy a different ice cream? And how can we not, you know, hit new revenue numbers and targets and, and establish a national distribution? So doing the doctor show is a huge step. Uh, to answer the question, we're also testing various uh, online and offline initiatives, including, you know, every spring there are uh, tons of, uh, pregnancy expos and shows, and, and so we're targeting those in the markets where we have uh, distribution. Um, and, you know, everybody following us, I'm sure they've heard the stats by now, it's over 3 million pregnant women in the U.S. at any given time, over 10,000 women uh, daily entering the demographic. They're looking to make improvements, and, and they're going to be hearing from the media, they're going to be hearing from their friends, hearing from service providers and social media, and now they're actually going to be hearing it from their doctors. They're going to be hearing it from the doctors that night food is the best ice cream for them and the best ice cream for their baby. And just as sure as they all hear now that they shouldn't eat sushi or drink alcohol, uh, we want them to hear that night food is the ice cream they should be eating for their pregnancy ice cream cravings because of what it has more of and what it has less of. And we want this to be part of the pregnancy culture. And I think we can get there. And, and again, the value of owning that position in the marketplace, again, with the backing of the American Pregnancy Association, I, I just can't say enough about the potential that we're sitting on, and, and, and we've got some great strategies in place to make sure that every pregnant woman in the country knows, uh, knows about night food. All right. Well, thank you for that, Sean. The next question comes from Albert, who is asking for an update on the hotel business. Yeah, so we're still working the hotel space uh, as, we, as we have been, and, and that's a whole other vertical with exciting potential. Uh, we're adding more individual hotel properties, and uh, we're still working on trying to land a corporate deal with one of the big global hotel groups. And I think it's only a matter of time as our discussions continue. You know, as our awareness and our market cachet grows, uh, I think what we may find is that the pints are not the format that gets it done in the hotel space. So rather than pints of ice cream, it might be smaller single-serve cups, you know, maybe a, a four- or a six-ounce cup. Um, it could be novelties, you know, more like an ice cream sandwich or a Klondike bar. And if, if that's what it takes to land the kind of deal that I envision, you know, that's what we'll do at that time. But certainly very optimistic of what can happen in the hotel space where, again, I believe any hotel selling ice cream has an obligation to their guests to make night food available. They're in, they're in the business of providing uh, a good sleep environment for their guests, for their customers. And if they're going to be selling ice cream, you know, they have that obligation to the consumer to make night food available. 
All right, great. Next, Daniel asked for an update on the Richard Sherman ice cream. And as a follow-up question, he wants to understand if night food has a moat developing in this heavily saturated market. Sure. So with, with regard to the celebrity flavors, we did discuss those with retailers over the past few months, both the Richard Sherman flavor and Michael Clifford flavors. And you know, the feedback from the retailers was that those were things we could do in year two to deliver a boost once the brand established itself. And the stores that wanted to put night food in wanted to do it because they saw the opportunity of a better nighttime snack option. And remember, again, this was all before the pregnancy piece, which has all come together in the last, really in the last few weeks. And so for the retailers that preferred to take a wait-and-see approach or, or that decided to put in another fad or a trendy product, the celebrity flavors were not enough to put uh, our new brand over the top. And, and we understand that. And, and Richard Sherman, as much as I love him, uh, we had a funny experience, you know, uh, talking about his flavor didn't go over very well in, in uh, New England with a couple of Patriots fans. And we had a good laugh about that. And uh, it's actually one of the chains that eventually took on seven flavors. So, you know, category managers, they're not always right, as we know, but that was the feedback uh, that we got. So, you know, when the time is right, when we're coming from a position of greater strength and more established brand, we can revisit. And uh, those flavors haven't been produced. They have not been produced because, you know, producing thousands of cases of, of, of ice cream in a flavor where we don't have a, a clear path uh, to distribution and revenue just wouldn't have been the right move. So those flavors are awaiting, uh, awaiting their time. Uh, you know, with regard to having a moat, I think that, you know, when you can say you're the official ice cream of pregnancy, and, and certainly no other ice cream can say that, I think that's pretty good. I think when you're the only ice cream and really the only snack company addressing nighttime cravings and the impact of our nutritional choices on our, on our weight management and on our sleep, and again, you're the only company that's doing that, I think that's pretty well differentiated. And if, if we're able to hit on all of those things, I think and I'll use this word again, you know, we'd be pretty unassailable. And so I think there's, I think there's already a moat, and it, it, it exists in our brand positioning. It exists in our uh, unique product formulations, and that moat is deep, and it's filled with um, crocodiles or, or alligators. I don't – crocodiles, right, Stuart? Uh, Your guess is as good as mine. I think either one will do the trick. Maybe we got both in there. But I, I think we're in good shape. I think we're very well – I mean, the real question is, are we differentiated, and is it a defensible position? And the answer is definitively yes. Very good. Well, thanks for that. Chad wanted to know about Meyer and the Meyer grocery chain and why the ice cream is not available there this year. Right, of course. So sales at all of our supermarket chains have grown from the day we hit shelves, and that includes Meyer. And some stores' velocities have grown faster, and some have grown slower. And every year... Uh, category managers need to make decisions based on imperfect information, as I mentioned. And in this particular case, we ran into an industry trend that I think is going to end up working in our favor in the long run, and that is uh, something we touched on last uh, quarter on the call, which is ketogenic ice cream. So if you're not familiar with this, you go into your local store. If, if it's not there yet, then in the next couple of months, because a lot of the supermarkets are doing their resets now, you'll see multiple brands of ice cream specifically and only for people on the keto diet. And these brands are all high in fat. They're super low in sugar. They're typically loaded with sugar alcohols, and they typically uh, won't taste very good unless you're uh, on a ketogenic diet and, and in ketosis. So uh, these are not at all mainstream 
consumer products, and, and typically nobody except people on keto would ever eat these products. And this is a, a, a trend or a fad uh, that we were up against during the fall review. Uh, we heard it from every retailer, and, and, and these keto brands put pressure on us in the stores uh, where we were already in, and we were also competing with them for the new chains uh, that we were meeting with to get onto uh, new shelves. And, and so, again, remember, this is also all before night food and the pregnancy uh, positioning its surface. So, you know, I think many chains with regard to keto, they're now over-branded and over-skewed. In other words, they've got too much keto ice cream on their shelves, too many brands, too many flavors, and I think there's just not enough keto ice cream eaters out there to support it all. So my prediction is that later this year, um, you know, half, if not more than half of these brands are going to start being in danger of losing their shelf space because there's too much availability, uh, there's too much competition, and there's just not enough consumers eating enough ice cream to support all of these brands that are, that are fighting for those, that limited, that finite group of consumers. And, of course, night food's going to be there. You know, we're going to be there with growing velocity. We're going to be there with demand from pregnant women as the only uh, ice cream in the space. And we're going to hopefully swoop in and capture some of those slots. Um, you know, one of the chains that added us for this year, uh, the buyer told me that he missed out on Halo Top a few years ago, and he had to wait a whole year before he could add it. And, you know, that did not paint him in a very good light. You know, but those mistakes happen, and they're costly, and he didn't want to miss out on night food for 2020. So these guys have tough decisions to make every year. Mistakes are going to be made probably every year. And, um, you know, look, we're now looking forward. We're in two we're in major divisions of the two largest supermarket chains in the country. That's Kroger and Albertsons. We're on rock-solid ground with them, and we're looking to add more. And if all goes well, I wouldn't be surprised if we're on shelf in Meyer by this time next year as well. All right. Well, Vicken is asking for an update on West Coast distribution. Sure. Uh, so we've met with and we have more follow-up meetings going on with supermarkets out West. I think Jesse has a meeting on the 25th. Um, we don't have any commitments yet, but I think, you know, with the recent developments and the feedback that I've gotten on how those meetings are going, I do think we're going to start to see some change out West. I mean, you know, uh, things change over time. I mean, to give you an idea, just, uh, last Friday, we heard from a chain in the South. They emailed our broker and they were, uh, they were getting lots of product requests, uh, after we aired on Rachel Ray, which was, I guess, eight or nine days ago. And it looks like, you know, we thought they were going to be coming in anyway, um, but basically they emailed and said, hey, we're getting a lot of requests since you guys are on TV this week, um, and let's start the paperwork. So paperwork has been started, and, and that just goes to show people these consumer requests uh, do make a difference. The category managers sometimes do listen, and so, you know, we encourage investors and, and fans of the brand to use our new online product request form, which is linked from our store locator page, or walk into the store, ask for night food, hand in a paper form, and, you know, over time these things do add up as we also obviously are doing things on our end to grow velocities and grow awareness. Okay, Sean, thank you for that. Now we have a question from Neil who asks, can you please tell me when are future plans to uplist to a full exchange down the road? Right. So, um, you know, the uplist question, we get it uh, all the time, and we're on top of all possibilities. We've had exploratory discussions in the past, you know, with major exchanges. We understand the process. 
Uh, uplifting is not something that's going to happen overnight. I don't want us to get uh, get ahead of ourselves as much as I, I think we're set for major growth in 2020. You know, we need to see what happens and, and certainly not put a timetable on this. Uh, one thing that, that is very interesting that I want to share with investors is that in February, we received the NOBO list, which, you know, for anybody that doesn't know what that is, it's basically a list of shareholders of our securities. And I was surprised. Uh, we had over 5,000 names on that list, 5,000 shareholders. And it seems that number is growing pretty rapidly, which is a great sign. Um, obviously, one of the uplist criteria is to have a, a diversified and distributed shareholder base. But, you know, first, let's get to our first million-dollar quarter, our first million-dollar month, and let's let's go from there. Okay, Sean. Well, that's it for the questions today. Is there anything you'd like to mention in closing as the CEO of Night Food? Listeners, once again, ticker symbol NGTF. The floor is yours, Sean. Yeah, sure. I mean, look, we're in a great place right now, uh, growing velocities, more supermarkets adding, and an amazing opportunity in the pregnancy space. Um, you know, we're, we've already booked more revenue this quarter, Stuart, than any other quarter in company history. Uh, we're not going to make, you know, quarterly revenue projections or project points of distribution because we understand there's just too many variables. But I know there are people out there concerned about, you know, big macro issues, whether it's, you know, today's coronavirus um, or, you know, the, the upcoming election cycle or maybe a pullback in the economy. You know, I think we've got a business that's pretty well recession proof, you know, as long as families keep keep having babies and, and pregnant women, you know, keep getting ice cream cravings and, and humans keep craving unhealthy stuff at night, which is kind of in our DNA, you know, we're in good shape really uh, to grow through any economic climate. And for the average consumer, you know, if we really want to dig into it, small comforts like ice cream don't immediately disappear in down times. You know, we're not trying to take advantage, but in stressful times, people do turn to comfort foods. And when people are stressed, they don't sleep as well. And they tend to uh, crave more unhealthy stuff, especially at night. So, uh, again, we're not trying to take advantage, but we're not overly concerned about macroeconomic blips or even things that might last uh, months or quarters. And I, I do see us looking back later this year uh, and seeing clearly that the pregnancy opportunity was the catalyst that secured our future and secured Night Food's place in the awareness of the American consumer and really in supermarket shelves all across the country. So, again, uh, I just want to encourage investors to Keep spreading the word as we grow night food into a national brand, both the dominant brand in the nighttime snacking category and, again, as the official ice cream of pregnant women all across the country. All right. For Sean Folkson, I want to thank everyone for listening and submitting their questions. Now is the time to continue to submit those questions to us here at smallcapvoice.com. The email, smith at smallcapvoice.com or simply info at smallcapvoice.com. Once again, for Sean Folkson, CEO of Night Food, this is Stuart Smith saying thanks so much for listening.